These meetings are just to sort of uh, start introducing ourselves to uh, the area. Anyone that's interested, we're endeavoring to get the word out about the church coming soon. And uh, so that's why we're coming. We're just kind of having once a month meetings just to introduce ourselves, give you a little taste of what the church will be like. See what God's saying to your heart. We're not trying to steal you out of a good church. If you've got a good church feeding you the word of God, I insist you go where God's put you and stay where God's put you. But we are just uh, led of the spirit, we feel, to, to come and uh, begin to introduce ourselves and uh, prepare for the church beginning here. And so we'll be pastoring both churches and we're going to uh, just, just keep on, uh, well, we'll share more at the end of this session about things that we're, that we're planning and how, how things are going and so forth. So, uh, but that's the reason we're here. And, uh, and so just keep, just believe God with us for his plan and we'll believe God with you for what his plan is for your life because uh, we just want what God has for you. And uh, God's plan is much better than your plan or my plan. <laughs> so we, we're so thankful that you've come tonight, and uh, we look forward to meeting you afterwards. But now I just want to share a little bit from the Word again. We've been sort of taking, uh, what have we done? This, this is the fifth one we've done, fourth or fifth one. We've been sort of taking uh, some of the main things that, that uh, the church uh, stands for, uh, what we preach and teach, and sort of uh, taking once a month, just taking one of those subjects and just sort of uh, taking time and going over that subject from the scriptures. And uh, so I want to do that again tonight. I want to go to Psalm chapter number eight to begin with this evening. If you brought your Bibles, Psalm chapter number eight, we believe in reading the Bible in church. Yeah, that's a, that's a novel idea, isn't it? <laughs> Psalm chapter number eight. And uh, we'll start in verse number four, and uh, we'll see where we end up. I believe the Holy Spirit has something he has for us to say. And uh, if he has something he needs uh, to redirect us on, then we're open to what he wants to redirect us on. I believe you came with a hungry heart, with, with a open heart, and God, you know, he, he wants to meet you where you are. So we're believing for utterance of the Holy Ghost. So... But it came pretty clear here to get on this subject tonight. Psalm chapter 8, verse 4. We'll read through verse 6. What is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visitest him. Now this is referred to in the New Testament in Hebrews. And it's referring to Jesus being being the son of man that visited us. Um, For thou hast made him uh, a little lower than the angels... Now, going back to man, Jesus became a man. Uh, Thou hast made him a little lower than the angels and has crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. He's talking about back there in the original creation. And uh, actually, uh, through Jesus coming, uh, Jesus restored us to dominion that was lost in the fall of man. That's what he's talking about. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of your hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. Praise the Lord. Praise God. That's, that's God's original creation. And uh, he mentioned here he made him, he originally created him to have dominion. And it says he crowned him with glory and honor. A crown is something a king wears. And uh, 
It's something, it's part of, I believe, because of some things we'll see as we go through this, I believe it's something that has been restored to believers in the new birth as we have been joint, made a joint heir with Jesus Christ. We have had our dominion restored. Adam lost dominion. Uh, you read the New Testament, and the Bible says in Second uh, uh, Corinthians, excuse me, Second Corinthians four four. Am I right? Second or first, whichever. Uh, it says that uh, Satan is the god of this world. Second Corinthians four four. Satan's called the god of this world. Jesus called him the prince of the power of the air. So we know somewhere along the line he got that place. Uh, but that wasn't the way he was originally uh, created. Satan's a fallen angel. He was created uh, for heaven, but he fell down here to this earth. And then Adam yielded to Satan and Satan became, God didn't make Satan the God of this world. Satan got that from Adam. Satan, if you go back to Genesis, in fact, if you want to turn there, go back to Genesis chapter number one and uh, look at this with me. We believe in teaching and preaching real, uh, real Bible truths that really establish the believer in faith to live victorious lives. So we'll take a lot of scriptures and uh, look at a lot of different things. You didn't come to hear me. You came to hear from God, right? If you came to hear me, I insist you, uh, you stop coming because <laughs> I don't have much to say. <laughs> I don't have anything to say. It'll give you victory. That's for sure. But thank God for the truth, the word of God. So have you turned there? I haven't turned there. But Genesis chapter number one, if you've ever read these verses, you know them. Genesis one, God's referring to uh, the original creation. God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness and let them have dominion. Let that man that we created have dominion. Over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, over cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. Now, I like to say I have dominion over creeps. (laughs) That was uh, supposed to be funny. But anyway, (laughs) every creeping thing that creepeth on the earth. Then verse number 28, and God blessed, uh, uh, God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion, have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, over every living thing that moves upon the earth. And actually back there in verse number 26, he ends it by saying over all the, uh, uh, over all the earth. Excuse me, not in, not in the end of it, but uh, in the middle of it there, over all the earth. And so God gave man dominion in the original creation. Now, what does dominion mean? It's another word for authority. It's another word for jurisdiction. It's another word for rule. Um, there's a difference between power and authority. The Bible uses both terms. He's given to us both of them. But right on the other hand, let's illustrate it this way. Power is uh, force and ability. Uh, Authority, uh, the way I best illustrate it is, I've never heard a better illustration than this. It's like a policeman going out blowing his whistle and holding the hand up and 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 the cars stop. He doesn't have the physical strength in his body to stop those cars. But he does have authority. 
Amen. And that authority is backed up by the, the government behind him, whether he's a city policeman or a state policeman or whoever he is. There's a government behind him that's backing him up that delegated that authority to him. And, and uh, people recognize that authority. Uh, those who don't find out there's power on the other side of it. <laughs> But uh, that's, what, that's what he's given us. He's given us power. We understand that. We could be talking about the Holy Ghost tonight. But right on the other hand, he's also giving us, given us authority. That was what God created. That's the way God originally created man. And uh, Adam lost that. It's obvious because Satan is 2 Corinthians 4, 4 called the God of this world. But when Jesus came, he came to get that back for us. That's what we wanted to look at tonight. If that's something new to your thinking, then just uh, listen to what the scriptures say here and uh, we'll go through this together. Now, why would God give us the, why would God give us authority? Well, uh, there's a couple of reasons why. First of all, back in the garden, when God created man, he created him with all that he needed. Everything was there, all the food he needed, everything he needed, all the supply for, for his life. Uh, was there and God created him with all that abundance around him but God said that's not enough just to have a supply for your your eternal existence he planned on him living down here forever of course now we understand some things have changed but um, but the the eternal existence that man was supposed to have down here he's supposed to have everything he needed God already made everything he needed but God said that's still not enough because I know there's a Satan around that's going to rob man and steal from man and so I'm going to give this man not only everything he needs in life, but I'm going to give him the authority over the one who would try to steal it from him. Now, Adam didn't exercise that authority. He yielded to Satan, but he did have it. He did have it. Now, because God made man, let him, let him have dominion. We see that. So, number one, God gave it to man so that his life would look like God intended it to look. That's that, that man, God created man to be tremendously blessed and walk in tremendous blessings. And so, uh, but second of all, God gave man authority because really earth was, if you think of it in the form of the way that the United States was started as a colony of England, earth was sort of a colony of heaven. Yeah. If I could say it that way. And God gave man the one, the one, the, he put man in charge of running everything. But he intended him to run it under God's authority. In other words, submitted to God's will and God's plan. Yet, however, uh, uh, and so, well, I'll just say it this way. And so for that reason, God gave man authority for the second reason he gave it to him was to advance the plan of God for the earth. To, to, to rule over everything, keep everything the way God intended that it be, and, and bring the purposes of God for the earth to pass. That's sort of summarizing in a large, uh, you know, we're looking at a 30,000 foot view, but we'll get down a little bit lower in a bit. Uh, Luke ten sixteen. I like this verse. Behold, I give unto you power. Now that you look up the word power. And sometimes the word in the New Testament, in the King James especially, in the, it says power. Whenever you look it up, the Greek word is actually the word for authority. Yeah. There's different words in the New Testament for power than there are for authority. Right. Yeah. So this one is exousia. It's the Greek word for authority. So God's, uh, Jesus is talking to his disciples. He said, behold, I give unto you power or authority to do what? To tread 
on serpents and scorpions and over all the power, that's the Greek word for power, of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Woo, glory. Now, that's, that's authority to keep the... Now, that the serpents and scorpions is a reference to Satan as, and his power. Yes. He, even meant, he even helps us understand that. And all the power of the enemy. So he's talking about Satan, the enemy. Right. Serpents and scorpions are a type of the power of the enemy. And he said he gave us this authority to stop the enemy from hurting us. Yes. Remember the Bible said Jesus said he came to steal, kill, and destroy Satan. Satan came to steal, kill, and destroy. But I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Praise God. Well, uh, we got to look in the last week, uh, last month, we looked at some of the things that are in that abundant life. Not, not nearly everything, but, but uh, God gave us this authority to stop the enemy from stealing, killing, and destroying and uh, hurting us. Some of these things that people say are acts of God are not acts of God. So we want to look at this. Now, Woost translation of this Luke 10, 16 says, Behold, I give unto you authority to advance by setting foot upon snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Well, how did they get that advance? Well, notice he's talking about treading on serpents and scorpions. Now, if you're treading on something, you're walking over top of it. So he's saying, when, when, when you're walking out your, you're walking out my plan for your life, which is revealed in the word and the specifics are revealed to us by the Holy Spirit. Uh, when you're walking that out and serpents or scorpions or the enemy rises up in front of you to block your progress, you don't have to stop because of the enemy. You can just keep going and tread. In other words, you can put them underfoot. And if you're going to do that, you're going to keep advancing forward and not stopping at hindrances or what the enemy is trying to do to oppose you. So that's what the woo says. I give you authority to advance, not sit back and do nothing when Satan tries to hinder us. Not wait for the devil to leave us alone. Not stop, uh, you know, whenever he's opposing us. Not wait for him to get out of the way. Or to give us permission to keep moving forward. Now, I might get happy tonight. You just have to watch out for me. You don't have to wait for him to give you permission. You don't have to wait for him to allow you to move forward. Amen. You don't have to wait on all your ducks to get in a row. (laughs) You can just keep on moving forward, keep on advancing. We've had to learn to do that in life. The devil wants you to stop and wait and twiddle your thumbs and wait for God to do something. Well, God's waiting for us to do something. Amen. And so, uh, so giving us this authority, he gives us this authority to move forward. Amen. And not be hindered by the demonic forces that oppose us. A lot of times people, they kind of have the idea that, that everything that happens is God. You know, if, if uh, you know, something bad happens, that's God. Something good happens, that's God. Something, you know, wars happen, that's God. You know, riots in a city, that's God. And, you know, everything, God works, uses all these things to work out his plan. Well, he's working his plan, but those things are not him. Amen. Amen. 
And we've got to learn to know what the difference is. Anything that's stealing, killing, or destroying is not God. So, uh, you know, these, these verses uh, reveal to us that many things that try to stop our forward progress in the plan of God, many of those things are spiritual uh, behind the scenes. There are spiritual forces that oppose it. I don't know if you've ever experienced any hindrance trying to get into something God put in your heart. <laughs> We're not going to all testify tonight, right? <laughs> We're not going to, we're not here to glorify the devil. But yeah, right on the other hand, we experience opposition. And many of those things will say, well, this person or that person, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. The Bible says that in Ephesians 5, or excuse me, Ephesians 6. We don't rest. It's not many times flesh and blood that is opposing us. It is satanic forces. Maybe they're using flesh and blood. But yet right on the other hand, it's not people. You know, we don't fight people. We deal with the forces behind the scenes. We don't get in the flesh. You understand what I mean by that? And so uh, we we are told... uh, that Satan is going to throw up, we're told ahead of time, he's going to throw up things ahead of us or in front of us. And, uh, you know, you might say, well, I don't understand about this authority. Well, don't throw it away here because you've never maybe heard of some of this. Um, just keep on listening to this subject here as we go through this. I think you'll get a little bit better understanding. Um, you know, the devil doesn't leave you alone just because you love God. Just because you're a sweet Christian. Now, we're not preaching against loving God. (laughs) We're told to love God with all our heart, our soul, our strength. We're not preaching against that. We're not preaching against being a sweet Christian. We're told to walk in love and be be loving people. Yet, just, just just loving God and being a sweet Christian doesn't mean the devil will just back off, lay down, roll over, uh, you know, as we say, say, uncle. And just let us just waltz into whatever God has in mind for our lives. You understand that? And so uh, you, you and I have got to realize that there are certain things that are arrayed against us. Remember the Bible says, uh, be careful, uh, 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 Satan as a roaring lion walks about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in your faith. It says your adversary, the devil... As a roaring lion, he mentions he's an adversary. That's exactly what he he is. He's an adversary. He's adverse. He's trying to stop the plan of God. You know, when you go to you go to walk out God's plan, you know, getting saved is one thing. He'll try to oppose you getting saved. But you but but once that happens, if he can't keep you from being saved, he'll try to keep you from advancing or getting into everything else God has for you. Well, uh, he's not going to, like when you get the mind of God or the plan of God for something in your life or, you know, through the word of God, and you start uh, believing God to uh, walk in the light of that and receive that. He's not going to send you a gift card from Amazon and say, congratulations. Yeah. Let me celebrate with you. No, he's going to oppose you. God told them that Canaan's land, the Old Testament, which is a type of us walking in the blessings of God in this life. God told them that, that, that I've given you a land that's full of milk and honey. He said, there's giants in there. I mean, no, excuse me. He said, there's, there's uh, uh, vineyards you didn't plant and houses you didn't build and all that. And he, 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 he didn't mention much about the giants. No, nope, nope, he did not. But they read headlong into them. Yeah, yeah. 
And that's the way some of these things are sometimes. Well, what do you do when you run headlong into some of these things? Just sit down, twiddle your thumbs and wait for God to do something? No, he said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So earth has to move first. That's, that's what we're talking about. And so uh, we, we thank God for, for, the, uh, for the revelation here that this, this has changed my life. You know, Satan doesn't have a legal right to do certain things, but he'll try to do it in your life as a criminal. You're redeemed from his authority. But just because you're redeemed from his authority doesn't make it automatic that he, that he will be defeated. I mean, he's been defeated by Jesus, but that doesn't make it automatic that you're going to be victorious over him. You have to exercise this authority. So we're going we're to talk about this a little bit. So um, Jesus already delivered you from the authority of the kingdom of darkness. Colossians chapter number one. He says, who hath, is that verse 12, verse 11, somewhere right in there? He hath delivered us. From the authority of darkness. Amen. And so that's already done. Now, that just simply means Satan cannot legally, because you're not in his kingdom anymore, cannot legally rule over you. It's like another nation. Let's say you used to be a citizen of another nation, maybe under communism or something, and then you uh, became a citizen of this nation and renounced your citizenship to that nation. They legally have no authority over you anymore. That's right. That's what happened when you got saved. You were translated out of the kingdom of darkness, Colossians says, into the kingdom of his dear son. As far as you're concerned, as far, excuse me, let me say this, as far as the devil is concerned, he has no authority over you. But he'll still try, even though he, he legally doesn't have any right to exercise any authority over you. But he'll try. He'll try as a criminal. You know, criminals today don't have the right to break into you or my home and steal our furniture. There's laws against that. But they'll try to do it sometimes. They'll try. They might try to do that. And, but, because they're gonna, but they can't do it legally. But they'll do it as a criminal. Until they meet authority. Now, I'm using this natural illustration. I'm talking about the authority of the police. Right? And so that's what Satan has to encounter in your life, yes. not just somebody. He, he won't, he won't uh, stay away from you just because he doesn't have a right to oppose you or a right to steal or kill. He'll, he'll, he'll stay away from you because you exercise that right. Yes. Yes. Amen. You've got to exercise that right. You have to enforce his uh, defeat because he'll try to come against you as a criminal. Does that make any sense? Praise the Lord. Believe in God for utterance and we're getting it. So um, we, we have to have the knowledge of this. We have to uh, become, we have to uh, be established in, in, in the revelation of authority. Because this, this revelation, to be honest with you, is still in its infancy in the body of Christ. A lot of things are being allowed that should never be allowed. And so that's why we're, uh, we're, we teach on this so strongly. And so uh, if we go, if you just want to turn over to the book of Psalms, uh, we'll look at Psalm 127 here in a bit. But you'd be surprised reading through the New Testament uh, how much this authority is referred to. 
And also, you'd be surprised reading through the New Testament. I say this for a reason. I'm going to explain myself. Reading through the New Testament, you'd be surprised how much the New Testament emphasizes getting, emphasizes getting the knowledge of the truth of God's word in us. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, if you were to listen to a lot of things said in the body of Christ, you would think the only thing that's really important is that you know God loves you and that he's gra- he, he has grace. But the Bible emphasizes really, really finding out who you really are in Christ. That's what the whole Ephesians 1 prayer is all about. He's praying that we would be filled with the knowledge of God, that we would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of our understanding being enlightened. We'll look at that in a bit. But uh, this knowledge is very important. Hosea 4, 6 says, my children are destroyed. What does it say? Because they don't love me. You hear me say that, you think I'm preaching against loving God. No, the Bible is very strong on loving God. I'm just simply saying that doesn't make the devil say, uh, uh, that doesn't make the devil stay away. Amen. But uh, so we've got to have this knowledge. Uh, It's amazing how much the New Testament actually talks about it. And so uh, God needs this knowledge preached. Yes. He needs someone to talk about this yes. knowledge yes. because I've discovered in working with, I've been ministering for 30 some years now. I don't remember how many years now, but I have found a lot of Christians have not grasped this. They still sort of subscribe to what is called the sovereignty doctrine. That is God sort of running everything. Even if it's bad, that's God doing something. Uh, uh, and the sovereignty doctrine, first of all, um, the word sovereignty means chief, highest in authority. Well, we know God's the highest of authority, in authority, right? But if you ever read, well, we could get into this and, and really spend the rest of the service on this. Uh, the Bible says he's the most high God. Yet right on the other hand, people think that means that he can just do anything he wants for anybody at any time. That's where the error is. Because he's actually delegated authority down here on the earth to man. And when God delegated it, he won't take it back. He didn't, when Adam did the wrong thing with it, or let's put it this way, right before Adam did the wrong thing with it by yielding to Satan and giving place to him, God didn't come on the scene and say, wait a minute, you're doing the wrong thing, I'm going to take that away from you. No. He let him take that authority and give it to Satan. saved us a whole lot of trouble, God. (laughs) But you see, when God gave it, listen to this, he honors authority. If he gave it to you, he honors it in your life. You have the say in your life what happens in your life. You can invite God, you can invite Satan. Even as a Christian, you can invite God into your life to work and do things. You can invite Satan into your life to work and do things. By certain, by certain actions, submitting to him, so forth and so on. How I many of you know a Christian can yield to sin, yield to the flesh, yield to the devil, and Satan will just start running right over top of them? They have the authority to do that. And God will allow them to do it. It's not his will, but he'll allow them to do that. And he'll allow them to be, be like we say sometimes, broke, busted, and disgusted. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? 
he'll allow them to be that way. If they're okay with it, he won't, he won't override what they're okay with. He'll let a man have what he's okay with. You ever read that verse in uh, Matthew chapter number uh, 18? Chapter number 18, verse number 18, Jesus said, right, this is in red, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Notice earth has to do something before heaven does anything. People get that backwards. They think, well, you know, oh, God, 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 do something here. Do something. We'll, we'll look at a man here in a minute if I can get all this out who, who was praying to God. God, do something. God said, what's that in your hand? Why don't you use what you've got in your hand? Boy, that turns it around, puts the responsibility back on man. And that's why a lot of Christians don't like what we're preaching tonight because they don't like responsibility. They want to lay it off on God. Now, I'm telling you, we left, we left, we just went ahead and started preaching tonight. Come on now, come on now. They want to blame God. If, if it's in their life, they blame God for it. But that's not the reality. Whatever you bind is bound. Whatever you lose is loose. Now, some translations, you look up other translations, they'll say whatever, rather than bind, they'll say whatever you forbid. Whatever you, uh, uh, there's another word, uh, uh, resist. I can't remember the other word other ones will use. Uh, and then it'll say whatever you, whatever, whatever you loose, it'll say whatever you allow or whatever you permit. That's a challenge to me. People say, oh God, do something. He said, why don't you stop permitting it? Oh me, I didn't know I was permitting it. Well, sometimes we do it ignorantly. Sometimes we do it because we don't have the knowledge of, of how to resist the devil. And so we read through the New Testament and we never find anywhere in the New Testament where the Bible encourages us or uh, in, in the Old Testament either, but in the New Testament where we have the revelation of the devil the most. Uh, the Bible doesn't, in the New Testament really encourage us ever to pray to God to do something about what the devil's doing. Amen. Oh God, stop the devil. Oh God, do this. The devil's, no, no. It says you resist the devil. Yeah. James 4, is that verse 6 or 7 in there? You resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Oh, me. I thought he'd flee from Jesus. Well, we know he's in you. We know that. We know he's the one that delegated it. Any authority we walk in is delegated authority. We don't have this inherent in ourselves. It's in the new birth. It's in our union with Jesus. But yet he didn't say he'd flee from Jesus. He said he'd flee from you. Yeah. In other words, he's fleeing from that authority. Right. It's not you as a person, as a human. It's you exercising that authority. He said, resist the devil. How are you going to do that with that authority? So, uh, because I had to go to Psalm 127, but I don't know if we're going to get there because we're being led a little different here. Go over, just think about a couple of other verses, 1 Peter 5, 7, and 8. Okay. I'm talking about the Bible never says in the New Testament we should pray to God to do anything about the devil. Uh, 1, Corinthians, excuse me, 1 Peter chapter number 5, look at verses number 7 and 8. It says, uh, well, actually verse 8. In verse 9, I wrote it down wrong. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. 
And so pray to God that he'll do something about it. No, no, no. Hmm? no. no sir. Well, wait a minute. I thought God has to do something about it. He, 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 no, he didn't say pray to God to do something about it. He said, you resist, whom resist, he understood subjects, you and me, whom resist, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Other translations say they come against everybody else, just like you do. So uh, he said, these things come against everybody, but you resist the devil. That's talking about you and me. Then you got Ephesians 4, 27. I'm talking about verses in the New Testament that tell us to do something about the devil. I mean, if, if, God's, if, if we don't have authority, how are we going to do any of this? Right. Yeah. We have to have authority to be able to do this. Ephesians 4.27. Ephesians 4.27 says, Neither give place to the devil. Neither give place. That means we can give him place. He's talking to Christians. And he said, don't do that. Don't give him place. Well, why would you say that if we can't do that? I mean, uh, if there's no way for us to give place to the devil because we're redeemed and because and, 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 we are, we're redeemed. If we're redeemed from his authority and so forth, why would it say don't give him place if just the, uh, the redemption from Satan's authority and the giving of authority, God's giving us authority over him made us free from him. But it still said don't give him place. In other words, we can do that. Yes. If I said to you tonight now, uh, don't steal my Lamborghini out in the parking lot. There's no way you could steal my Lamborghini in the parking lot because I don't have a Lamborghini in the parking lot. <laughs> Amen. That's what, that's what it's like here. He's saying, don't give place to the devil. Well, if it was impossible to do that, then why would God warn us not to do that? So we can give him place or we can give him no place. That's possible to where he has no place in our life because we don't give it to him. We can do what the Bible says, can't we? So then you've got Matthew 18, 18, which the Bible says, whatever you bind will be bound. Whatever you loose will be loose. Then look look at this one. I'm not going to get to Psalm 127 right now, but look at Luke 10, 19. 10, 19, Luke 10, 19. Jesus, the 70, had just come back from preaching. He had sent them out to preach. And uh, they came back and said, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us. In thy name. Look at that. In thy name. That's, that's uh, uh, verse number 17. The name of Jesus has a lot of revelation. The revelation of what's in the name of Jesus is, is most important for the believer. Because the believer has been given the name. Yes, yes, yes. Jesus went to heaven, but the name was left with us. Because the Bible said, whenever uh, they're in Acts, whenever they're preaching, he said, there's no other name. Un- now, this is after Jesus went to heaven. No other name under heaven given among men. Whereby we must be saved. The name, Jesus went to heaven, but the name's still here. It's still, it's among us. It's given to the church. And they had been using that name. They said, even the devils, even the devils. In other words, they were saying there was more than just devils subject to them, but even the devils. So they had been exercising authority over other things. But the devil too. 
Then Jesus said, I ha Behold, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. We have record in the Old Testament of how he was kicked out of heaven. He rebelled, was kicked out of heaven. Jesus said, I was there, I saw it. Hallelujah. You and I didn't see it, but he was there and told us about it. And I believe what he said. He fell out of heaven. Behold, I give unto you. Glory. I give unto you. We already read this. Power, that's authority, to tread. Glory be to God. So that's ours. That's our present tense possession. I'm, I'm about ready to explode up here. So that authority is ours right now. Now, what's that for? To keep him out of our own personal lives, stealing, killing, and destroying. See, find out what God's word said is yours, and anything that tries to steal that from you, you stand up and say, no, you don't. And so, uh, but number two, it's to advance the plan of God in the earth. And so, uh, if you read certain verses, let's go back to Psalm 127. We'll, we'll just go back there. Psalm 127, 1. By reading certain verses in the, in the Bible, and this is one of them, it appears at first glance that God is just going to do all these things on his own. But you've got to take the whole counsel of God's word. Let's just look at this. Psalm 127, except the Lord, underline that, the Lord, build the house. They labor in vain to build it. Well, I always put that together with Matthew 16, 18. I say unto thee, Jesus is talking to Peter. I say unto thee, Matthew 16, 18, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, if you just read that verse, or these two verses, it looks like, makes it look like that he's just going to do the job of building the church. Yeah, you understand? Uh, without involving us at all. Looks like I, Jesus said, I will build my church. And certainly that's true. But, but is he going to do it apart from us? You could read that and almost think that. But that's not the case. Because look at the first Corinthians, and you can just write it down if you want to, or just think about it. This is a verse many of us know. First Corinthians 3, 9. We are laborers together yes. with God. Amen. Paul said that. We are laborers together with God. He was not just saying himself. He said, we, all of us, we're laborers together with God. You're God's husbandry. You're God building. He's talking about building up the church and, 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 and doing the work of God and advancing the plan of God through the church. He said, we're laborers together with God in that. In other words, this just isn't all up to God. All right. Now, we were there in Matthew chapter number uh, 16. We read verse number 18. But let's read it a little bit further, and, and you'll see that God, Jesus actually wasn't saying that he was going to do this all by himself. Right. Right. We read verse 18, 16, 18. I say unto you, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, it looks like that's just some authority um, that Jesus has given Peter, but he repeated this. We already read it over in Matthew 18, where he said that to the whole church. Yes. Whatever you bind is bound, whatever you loose is loose. I give you the keys and so forth. Yes. But let's keep on reading here. John, this is uh, Matthew 16, 18, and then verse number 19. We just read 18. Look at verse 19. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Wherever thou loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. 
So he said, I'm going to do this. But basically he's saying, I'm going to do it through you. If you really analyze the language, he's saying, I'm going to do it through the church. Now, the church can't do it without him. But he can't do it without us. That's what we've got to understand. He cannot do things on this earth without the church. Now, I know a lot of people challenge that. But you see, the Bible says Jesus is the head and we are the body. Right. Yes. Yeah. Boy, these meetings have been real strong teaching services. And I'm so thankful that I mean, we're getting things established on a good, solid foundation of the Word of God. Uh, but uh, Jesus is the head. We're the body. Just like your head can't do anything without your body, Jesus can't do anything without his. I'm talking about down here on the earth. Heaven's a different deal. But I'm talking about down here on the earth. He can't do anything except through his body. Just like our head can't do anything. Our head might say, okay, service is over. I want to walk out of here. But without our body, it's not, our head's not going to get out of here without our body. <laughs> it might want to. You might get up some morning and you, you just, your head says, man, today would be a great day. Maybe it's a spring day and things are warm and sunny outside. Maybe not, today would be a great day to get out and take a, a, you know, a two-mile uh, two walk or something. Then <laughs> maybe the day before, you, you worked real hard and, you were, and the, your body's tired. <laughs> maybe you worked muscles you hadn't worked for a while and your body's saying, I'm staying right here in bed. <laughs> your head wants to. But your body's not going along with it. So guess what's not going to happen? <laughs> Most of the time. <laughs> That's what Jesus has to deal with. He might have something in mind. He wants some things done. It's his will. It's his plan. But if the body is not going to go along with it. Absolutely. This is, the way, this is the way the Word of God describes this. So we have to understand this. Now, um, you know, heaven only moves on man's, on man's authority in the earth. I'm talking about the authority of redeemed man. That's what I'm talking about. So Satan manifests his will in the earth in the absence of... Of this authority. Or the absence of anybody exercising it. God doesn't work through ignorance, but Satan does. God works through knowledge. Knowledge of what the Word of God says and knowledge of our authority. Satan works on ignorance. He takes advantage of ignorance. Remember, Paul said in 1 Corinthians, what is that, 9... What is seven? Uh, nine, so what is it? There? No, Second Corinthians two nine. That's what it is. Paul said, "Lest Satan should get the advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his device." He's saying ignorance gives Satan an advantage. Yes. Like I said earlier, people can be sweet Christians. Believe me, I, I'm all for sweet Christians. So don't think I'm down on sweet Christians. But I'm just saying people can be sweet Christians, but because they lack knowledge. Of the word of God and the authority that they have, Satan will steamroll right over them. Not because it has a right to, but just because they don't know how to stand up against him. 
So we've got to get the knowledge of this. Our minds have to be renewed. That's what Paul's talking about, renewing of our minds. And so um, that's the way heaven moves. Heaven moves on the knowledge, man's knowledge of heaven's will and him exercising authority. And uh, Satan moves on the ignorance or he moves on the absence of this knowledge or the absence of people exercising this authority. And so I'm not talking about the absence of anybody having it. Adam had it. Eve had authority, but they didn't do anything with what they had. Right? So um, just because God has a plan doesn't equal that plan coming to pass. I'm talking about in your life, my life, or in the church, or the body of Christ, in Cedar, in Cedar Rapids, in Kansas City, in Lee Summit, anything like that. The will of God happens by people perceiving it, receiving it, and then exercising and laying hold of it and exercising authority over any forces that would advance, that would oppose them advancing into it. So we've got to know that we have a share in bringing to pass God's will. He won't do it by himself. Uh, he, uh, we don't do it by, by ourselves. We're laborers together with God. Well, let's just take the preaching of the gospel. Um, we never have a record in the Bible of any, anyone walking down the street in the book of Acts or anywhere. Anyway, walking down the street and bumping, whoa, there's the Holy Ghost preaching the gospel to somebody. <laughs> or walking down the street, oh, there's an angel preaching the gospel to somebody. The Holy Ghost doesn't preach the gospel. The, Holy, the angels don't preach. That's the man's assignment. Now he'll anoint us. The Holy Ghost will anoint us. <laughs> I'm just making it plain tonight. So we're laborers together with God. And we work with him to advance the plan of God. Now let's look in the Old Testament in a type of this. Go over to Exodus chapter number 14. I hope you, hope you I'm going to try to, I don't know what time I started preaching. I'm just going to assume it was five minutes ago. <laughs> Now, here in Exodus 14, I, want you, I wanted to get to this story. I just had a real prompting to get to this tonight. This is um, Moses. Uh, they, remember, they had been delivered from Egypt's bondage. The Israelites had been delivered from Egyptian bondage. And they came out of Egyptian bondage. They, they were on the trek across the uh, little, little uh, desert area there. And they, were, they came to the Red Sea. You remember? And I- Egypt got the idea, wait a minute. Wait a minute. We can get them back. And they sent the armies out, you remember, to get them back. And so they're up against the Red Sea. The Egyptian army is behind them. If you read the account, there's mountains on this side and mountains on that side. And they got the Red Sea in front of them. And then then a a mad Egyptian army with uh, dead babies at the house behind them. It looks like they're trapped. Looks like there's no way forward. No way over there. Back over there. No way back. Looks like they're trapped. And so this is Exodus 14, verses 15 through 16 here. The Lord said unto Moses, wherefore criest thou unto me? Now let's just stop and paraphrase that. Why are you crying out to me about this? That'd be prayer. He's been talking to God about this. Not preaching against prayer, but there's a time to pray. And there's a time not to pray. He said, why are you praying unto me? This isn't a time to pray. He said, speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. What? The Red Sea's in front of them. 
that they go forward. In other words, advance. Now, the plan of God for them is Canaan's land. But it's on the other side of the Red Sea. But there seems to be something blocking their progress. And it's the Red Sea. And it seems impassable, impenetrable, impossible. (laughs) You ever been up against something that seemed impossible? If you haven't, you haven't lived long yet. You might have been born yesterday. (laughs) He said, uh, he speak to them that they go forward or advance, but lift up thou up thy rod. Oh, here it is. And stretch out thine hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. Yes. In other words, basically in essence, uh, Moses, God's saying to Moses, I'm not the one that has to do something here. You've been crying to me to do something. So I'll do something, but you've got to move first. You've got to do something first. And if you'll do your part, then I'll do my part. And he said, what's that in your hand I see there? Use it. Use it. Amen. Now, if you study the, the way God used Moses, Moses, God used Moses with that rod over and over and over again. It was a type, if you, we don't have time to get into it all tonight, but we, boy, boy, if you ever studied it out, it's amazing. It's a type of the authority of God in human hands. He used it to split the Red Sea. He used it, I'll just give you a couple of these. He used it whenever they were fighting a battle with Amalek, enemies, uh, there had been, remember when God said, take that rod and strike it, strike the rock and water will come out. And he did. And water came out. Well, that's water. Water in the desert is more valuable than gold. I mean, you starve to death with pockets full of gold in the, in the wilderness if you don't have water and food. So I mean, water and food is what you really need out there. And so here they're, they're thirsty and, and they needed water. Moses was instructed, take that rod and strike that rock and water came out. Well, that's like, you know. That's a valuable thing out in the desert. And Amalek, the enemy, they said, we're going to take that for ourselves. They came to take it. And so they had to have a battle with Amalek to keep that, you know, we would call it artesian well or whatever, keep, keep that for themselves. But uh, God told Moses what to do. He said, now, Moses, you go up on the top of the hill and you hold up thy rod. Stretch it out over the battle. And... Uh, Remember his arms got tired and they started falling and they had Aaron and Ur, was it, that held up his hands? And the Bible says as long as his rod was extended out, Israel prevailed. But whenever Moses' hands got tired and that rod started going down, Amalek prevailed. What does a man with a stick up on a hill have to do with winning a battle? It has nothing to do with it in the natural but it's a type of extending the authority that God gave a man over a situation and that authority holding back the invisible forces that are behind the battle, that are opposing the people of God. Woo, glory be to God. My goodness. And he said, and so that, that's that rod. And God had him use that rod in different times. And it all had to do with authority. Yeah. You know, kings back in the day, 
they would sit on a throne and they would have this real, they often had this real decorated carved stick that was a staff. And it represented, many times overlaid with gold or so, it represented that king's authority. Yes. If, he, when, if you walked into the throne room and, and he extended that out to you, it was give, him giving you authority to approach him. Yeah. If he didn't and you approached him, it's off with your head. <laughs> that represented his authority. He can extend it to you or take it away from you. And God put that in type in Moses' hands. Moses was God's ambassador on the earth. We are the ambassadors of heaven. We don't represent natural uh, authority. We represent heaven's authority. We're sent on a mission from the kingdom of heaven. We're representing the authority of heaven. And we've been given that authority. We've been, and we're going to see this, my goodness. I'm, 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 that, but uh, you see here that he extended this rod over the sea and it gave way, it parted, right? And so whenever, they, whenever Moses did that, he was basically extending the authority of God over the situation. Now, we are, if you ever read the New Testament, Egypt coming, or excuse me, Israel coming out of Egyptian bondage is a type of the church coming out of the kingdom of darkness. That's, that's in the New Testament. That's doctrinal sound, doctrinally sound. And so we have been delivered from the authority of darkness. And we're out of that kingdom. But sometimes it tries to come after us tries to hinder us from going forward or tries to come against us like Amalek came for the water. But in every case, we've got to extend that authority. How do you do that? You do it with words. You say, I say unto you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. Now, in the unseen realm, in the seen realm, that might not seem to have anything to do with it. But when you're, you're not dealing with the seen realm, you're dealing with the forces of the unseen realm. Every battle is spiritual at its core. Every battle is spiritual at its core. Amen. That's what Moses showed us up on that hill. What does a stick holding on a man up on a, an old man with a beard standing up on a hill holding a stick? What's that got to do with anything? Not, nothing, but it has something to do with the spirit realm. So we've been delivered. Are you still glad you came tonight? And, but it's not enough for Moses to have that authority in his possession. He had to extend it. Moses uh, had to extend it. Adam had it, but he didn't extend it. So Satan got in to the garden. Praise the Lord. Man has been committed the authority of the throne of God. Now let's come over, and and I, I, I just, I've got to wrap this up here with this. Come over to Ephesians chapter number one. That's all types and shadows in the Old Testament. We're not living in the Old Testament. We're living in the New Testament. So go to Ephesians chapter number one. While you're turning there, I'll say this. Because of our seating with Jesus, according to the verses we're going to read, in heavenly places, we're joint heirs with God and the joint heir, uh, heir of God and joint heir with Jesus Christ. Because of that, we have new privileges we didn't have before. We don't have to handle the situations of life the way everybody else does or the way we used to. We're, we're operating from a new position now in the spirit realm. 
What are, what are one of those privileges? You're in Ephesians. I'm, I'm going to go there. But just write down Romans 5, 17. They that receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, they reign in life. They reign over the forces of darkness. That's one of our new privileges. Okay, have you found Ephesians? Here's the doctrinal basis for this in the New Testament. Some of this might be a refresher for some of us. Others of it, of us, it might be uh, new, but don't throw it out if you've never heard it. Ephesians 1, 16 through 20, this is a prayer Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus. He said, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And he prayed three things, that God, the Lord Jesus Christ, would give unto them the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. Here's three things. The eyes of your understanding be enlightened that you may know, number one, the hope of his calling. Number two, the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Number three, the exceeding greatness of his power towards us, towards us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power that he wrought in Christ uh, when he raised him from the dead. That's the, that's the anointing, the power of the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. But notice that power, somebody said that power was extended toward Jesus to raise him from the dead. Yes. But notice it said that the exceeding greatness of his power towards us. Towards us. Yes. That, that power extended toward Jesus to raise him from the dead wasn't just towards him, it was towards us. Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And so you're going to see that in a minute. When, which he raised him, when he raised him from the dead, set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, every name that is named. This is Jesus. Uh, not only in the, the world which is to come, uh, not only uh, in this world, but in the world which is to come, yeah. and hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him filleth all in all. Now, if you stop there, you just think that's Jesus. Most of the church world will look at, at, look at the scriptures and say, it's obvious Jesus has been raised far above the forces of darkness. But he didn't write this in chapter and verse. Keep on reading. And you... This wasn't just Jesus. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit now works in children of disobedience. That's, that's describing spiritual death. Among whom also we all had our conversation in time past and lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, whereby nature the children of wrath, even as others, but God. Who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together, has quickened us together with Christ, by grace are you saved, and has raised us up together. Raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Okay, do it this way. Read verse, read verse, Hebrew, this is uh, Ephesians 1.20, and then read Ephesians 2.6, and then read Ephesians 1.21. I'm just going to read it that way. Just listen if you want to, if, if you're not sure how, how this is being stated. Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places and hath raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Verse 21, far above. Hey. That's right. Did you see that? Yeah. Glory to God. He raised Jesus 
far above and he raised us far above. Now, many, many times people preach what they call the gospel and they have a portion of it. So thank God for it. We appreciate all the parts of the gospel. But this part isn't much known about. This is the and you part. (laughs) You know what I mean, pastor? People, people will say this all happened for Jesus, but listen to me. Jesus didn't need any victory over Satan before he came to earth. He didn't come here to get a personal victory over Satan or to be raised above Satan's power himself. He was doing just fine in heaven before he came here. So he didn't come here to get that for himself. He came here to get that for us. See, what God was doing for Jesus and in Jesus, here's a major statement tonight. What God was doing for Jesus and in Jesus, he was doing for every man. He was our stand-in. And God sees us as one with him in all God did for him. Our faith gets us, our faith causes us to enter into it. Praise be to God. So we've got to be taught this. You can't know, you can't have faith for something you don't know about. That's why the Bible says in Romans 8, 17, we're heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Let's put it this way. Heirs of God could include the authority of his throne because we're sitting there with Jesus at the right hand of that throne. Somebody said, I'm down here on the earth. What do you mean I'm sitting? I'm talking about the recreated born again human spirit. That's his position in the spirit realm. When you got saved, you were reborn and that new man is not under Satan's dominion anymore. That new man is far above. You still have flesh. You still have a mind. They've not been seated, but you can rule over them and bring them up to your seat. You can rule over your flesh. You can rule over your thought life. Thank God for the truth. So we're heirs of God that will include the authority of his throne and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Remember, anytime you read, you watch those old movies and there's a king sitting on his throne, somebody that's given the access to sit on the right hand, they're second in command. They have the right to exercise the authority of that throne. And so that's what he's talking about. Isn't that good? Whatever, that's why Jesus said, whatever you bind is bound. Because you're the ones I authorized by, by the authority that I got back. Remember when Jesus rose from the dead, he said, all authority given unto me in, in, in heaven and in earth. You stop there, you think, well, he just got it and kept it. But then he turned right around and said, go ye. Matthew, eight, Matthew 28. Go ye. And and if you read Mark's account along with it, cast out devils, heal the sick. Hallelujah. So he's sending us in that authority. We've been deputized. (laughs) You know what I mean? We've been deputized. It's like a police officer when he's sworn in. He's deputized. Do you swear to uphold? I don't know how they say it. You know, I know the president's oath, but but do you swear to uphold the, the constitution of this state or whatever? Enforce the law, so forth and so on. Yes, so help me God. Now they put that badge on him. Now he's deputized 
to carry out, to, to, to carry out and enforce the law. Yes. Yes. Right? That's what Jesus did for the church. He basically rose from the dead and said, come here. All authority is given unto me. Hold up your right hand. And he swore us in. He said, now go. That's basically what he did. That's basically what he did. That's good. Praise God. Now, whenever he encounters a crime, he doesn't call the governor or the mayor or whoever he's representing. Say, hey, there's a crime going on down here. Why aren't you doing something about it? He said, they'll say, that's what we put you on the street for. That's what you're down there for. Amen. Take the authority that is yours. Praise God. But that's what a lot of Christians are doing whenever they're praying. You know, the devil's doing something in their life. They're saying, God, 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 do something, do something, do something. He's saying, I put the authority in your hands. Whatever you bind will be bound. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Whoa, the church has been deputized. But I think the church, a lot of the church slept, slept through the deputizing ceremony. Hold up your right hand. What happened? <laughs> this has to dawn on us. We have to recognize that, that that's us. We've been, we've been put in the place of authority. Amen. You have to get used to what Authority is different than begging God. It's different than, you know, a, a lot of the things people do to scrounge out a victory. We, we're to extend this authority. We, we have to renew our minds to it. We have to become accustomed to it. Because if, I don't know, I don't want to hardly use the word feel, but it, it feels different. In fact, whenever you operate in it, the devil will say, well, that ain't going to do any good. You're going to have to fight the good fight of faith in this. Um, a disciple is one, and I was studying this one time, is one who has become accustomed to being to doing things the way he's discipled to do them. You know, you can become accustomed to different things. You can become accustomed. It took me three years to become accustomed to the cold weather in Iowa. I, li- I lived in Tulsa for, what, 16 years, honey? You and I? And uh, 17, 17 and a half. Yeah, something like that. And we became accustomed to nice winters. 40 degrees. But then we went to Iowa. And they went down, and we said, that's far enough, that's far enough, and down, down, down. We've seen 28 below, plus wind chill. Boy, that makes you start binding the devil. It's like, what is happening? <laughs> Whoa. So the first few years, it was, it was awful. But eventually, it got, I think it took me about three years, I got, I got accustomed to it. It just sort of... You know, if it's 20 degrees out and I'm going from the church to the car or the house to the car or something, you know, I don't put a coat on. I just, it's just 20 degrees. It's not that cold out here. Now I'm accustomed, more accustomed to it. Gets below 20. It's not, come on now. That's just stop this stuff. <laughs> and you can become accustomed to a lot of things. You ever heard of people that have become accustomed? Maybe they live right along a major highway and there's noise all the time going by. And you go to visit them and you're like laying there at night going, oh my goodness. But they got used to it. They become accustomed. They sleep right through it. You can become accustomed to a lot of things, right? Well, you can also become accustomed to authority. 
you can, you can be acclimated towards spiritual things. You can, you can become accustomed to walking by faith and not by sight. When you say, Satan, take your hand off of it, and it looks like nothing changed, you become accustomed to walking by faith when you don't see anything. Jesus rebuked the fig tree, and it couldn't, you couldn't see anything right away. But it didn't take long. It showed up. We're learning. Amen. Stand with me if you would. We've gone long enough. My congregation in Cedar Rapids knows that uh, we could go another hour, but we won't take that time. When Jesus was talking about the mountain in Mark eleven twenty three, he's talking about the same thing we're talking about. A mountain is something that seems to be imposing, impassable, something impossible, something blocking your progress, something keeping you from moving forward into what's on the other side. Somebody said one time, if you knew what was on the other side of your mountain, you'd move it. And Jesus said, if you say to this mountain, be thou removed. So that's what he's talking. He's talking about just like they came up against the Red Sea and it just seemed impossible. He's talking about, don't let that thing stand there and block your progress into the plan and into my plan, what I have in front of you. Amen. Amen. And so that's what that's all about. I want to say this before we dismiss. Um, We are, we are, Pastor Debbie and I, the congregation in Cedar Rapids, we're standing for some more things that, that, that we're just demanding come into place yes. to start the church here on Sunday mornings on a regular schedule. Uh, we, have, we have been through, what, seven or eight different opportunities for buildings, and, not, and they haven't uh, materialized yet. Um, but, and uh, there's been different things about uh, some of the logistics of how this is going to work, that, that we're, we're believing God and we're saying, no, it's coming to pass, just like God said. And so we're not ready to commit to a date today of when we'll be starting. But it is coming in Jesus' name. We're not permitting anything to keep us from making our steps forward. Amen. And, uh, and uh, we're not saying, we're not accepting no for an answer. We love this. This little facility is kind of sweet. We kind of like it, but there's another church meeting here and Thank God for somebody else using it, but this is not available on Sunday mornings. I tried to say, God, let's just do Sunday nights or Saturday nights or something, and that didn't have peace in my heart. How many of you know we, had to have, we have to be led of the Spirit in these things? So there's been different ways we've approached it and different ways we've looked at it, different buildings. We, we know for sure within just a couple of months here, we're going to have an opportunity at one, one place. Um, but we want to we move right now. <laughs> And start on Sunday morning. So you're believing God with us, all right? I preached that tonight just to share with you some things you can agree with us on. For the building to be in place and uh, some some, some things to get clear in our spirit about because we want to be led of the spirit on how to do this. But we're going to continue to say, no mountain, you're moving in Jesus' name. So, yes, we'll continue to meet monthly. In fact, next month it'll be Friday night, April the 14th. So we'll get that word out, but uh, we're not going to stay just on Friday nights. God has a further plan for us. And we're actively looking for yes, housing. yes, We've yes. Not found a house yeah. as of yet, but we are actively yeah. coming. Yeah, coming to pass. So you join your faith with us, believe God with us, and uh, you'll you'll see some miracles. We're 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 we're. I mean. We have come, Pastor Debbie and I know more about it, and the congregation Cedar Rapids know more about it. We've come so far, so many things that seemed impossible. We're already on the other side of them. 
We're just, we're just taking the rest of it. So, you want to use the mic? I'll just stand close to you. They're going to want this on TV, so, yeah. Uh, we're going to take opportunities. Some have asked, can we help? We're going to be doing some canvassing and different things. Lisa has a lot going on in the summertime, yeah. too. So that will be coming up, you know, when the weather gets warmer. We did quite a bit of that, had some really, maybe some of you are from. Uh, anybody? Well, anyway, we had a lot of people that we're talking to. And you know what happens in this time. People are watching you. And they really want to know when you're going to officially yeah. start and this and that. And, you know, so, but that's all right. We're just going to keep on hitting the pavement. And so we'll give you opportunities if you'd like to get involved with some of that. We, because uh, we had uh, booths and answered questions and showed videos and different things like that. Yeah. And we'll be doing that again. All right. If you want a list of things we're believing God for, this, where is this, out on the table also? You can get this list. Join your faith with us. And, uh, and it's all coming to pass. Hello, this is Pastor Debbie Eberly. It's so good to have you on our broadcast today. If you've been blessed by this ministry, we want to invite you to be a partner with us. We have Facebook at Eberly Ministries and also YouTube at Eberly Ministries. And be sure to like and share those with others. Our heart is to bring you into encounters with God to empower you to always be victorious with the spirit of faith. Amen. Our website at everlyministries.org has different resources. One is the online archives. We have the Gym Vault, and it's an online repository of free audios, teachings. We have the Spirit of Faith Bible Training Center. If you just want to grow in faith or you've been called into the fivefold ministry, that would be a rich resource for you. The Faith to Faith blog, it's a powerful devotional uh, teaching by Pastor Jay and also online Spirit of Faith bookstore. Uh, if you're just interested in our products, our books, our CDs, our scripture CDs with music background, you can avail yourself of those. Uh, if you have a testimony or you need prayer, please use the contact form and message us and we'll rejoice with your testimonies and we'll pray for you. Amen. Uh, so we're so thankful for what God is doing on the earth today and through Jay Ministries. And on behalf of Pastor Jay and the staff and the JM and Spirit of Faith family, we say thank you for all you do for the kingdom of God. God bless you. <laughs>